Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 2, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Manners in the news. And today, uh, we got, well, this week, we got a solo week this week, so just uh, just me and Nick this week. All alone. Taking a break from the guests. <laughs> after, after, you know, after that Zach Luna fella. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, we need it. Um, so, uh... <laughs> Love Zach. He's the best. Um, so today we are going back to minute 16, which begins with Biff telling uh, Marty. Oh, no. No, it is Biff. No, Biff. Starts with Biff telling Marty, say hello to your grandma for me. And ends with Griff saying, hey, McFly, as Marty crawls behind the counter. Say hello to your grandma there for me is one of my favorite um, alt bands of the early 2000s. Say hello to my grandma for me. That was a little forced. Not your best work. Sorry. (laughs) You know, because say hi to your mom for me. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, so, So Griff pulls Biff out of out of cafe 80s just drags him out and then walks back in points at marty and says don't go anywhere you're next (laughs) what is he about to do to his grandpa it's it's like either a i'm about to beat the shit out of my grandfather or b (laughs) you marty jr are going to like clean my car The third, the third coat of wax is all yours. <laughs> Your blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're next. I mean, I guess he's just saying I'm going to deal with you next. But like, just the, the way implications, he says are, it, the implications are insane. Um. So so then, uh, Marty hears some uh, some game cabinet music, some some arcade music, some eight bit sounds uh coming from yonder Catnip although it, for a it, cool team like marty yeah but but it doesn't it sounds really loud like in the mix in the sound mix it sounds yeah. like he's standing right next to it even though it's like far away i mean it's all the way across the all the way across yeah. the diner but it's really loud um seems like a loud restaurant in general it does it's very it's very noisy and and distracting it's weird um, you know what I think is weird about the cafe eighties and I understand sure. why, why it's there is so that you, you as a viewer can comprehend that this is the same place that, uh, he was in, in the fifties, you know, this is like the same diner. Yeah. Like imagine if they had gone full, like instead of it having to do, having to have to do with the eighties. What if it was just this is what a teen eatery is like in the year 2015? Yeah, well, well, but my thing is like, okay, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cafe 80s, so it's an 80s themed diner, mm-hmm. and the but the but the floor is that black and white tile, and that's a 50s thing. So like. They did all of these changes, but they didn't bother changing the tile. That's like, what an eighties floor be like mirror with like cocaine on it. 
<laughs> yeah, you know. Um, no, I don't know. It would. It, I mean, it would just be like ugly. Yeah. Ugly, like brown floor. You know, like mm-hmm. it just eighties. Not known for their floors. No. <laughs> not known for their floor color or like wood or yeah. something. Yeah. I keep trying I to think know. of like eighties houses. I keep thinking of like the Bueller house or like the house from Gremlins. I yeah like like I'm thinking like the house from Gremlins or like the house from uh, E.T. You know yeah like like middle class maybe even yeah, lower yeah. middle class but I don't know yeah although Cameron the, is rich the black and white or, tile I feel like the black and white tile is confusing or or if you're gonna do the tile thing like do something that's like a reference you know like make it look like the tiles in Billie Jean you know yeah <laughs> that would be fun. yeah like as you walk. Yeah, they light up. Yeah. yeah, I just I just feel like the ball. You know what? It, you know what it is. It's kind of what I'm worried about with Ready Player One, where oh. it's like right the '80s said the '80s, and it's like no one can. You know, it's like it's like how very <laughs> few people can make fun of themselves, right? Because you don't know what other people think your stuff is, right? It's like right the '80s, right? Billy Jean, isn't that like totally the '80s? Totally. You know, it's, yeah. Well, well, and then the other weird thing is like is like okay, so you have the tile, but then it but then it's just why why would you make a diner 80s themed? Like what what about a diner screams 80s? Like I don't care how much you theme a diner to the 80s. I when I think of the 80s, never not once have I ever thought of a diner. If anything, I would think of like the 90s. <laughs> when you, you think a, of the 80s you think of the 90s no no when i when i think of diners i think of like oh the, like pulp fiction and yeah like a yeah. pulp fiction type diner or like a saved by the bell type diner yeah yeah i, I just feel like uh, uh some power rangers <laughs> i just feel like there's something off about cafe 80s being a a fifth an obviously a 50s diner with just like crap all over it you know yeah I feel like it's a missed know. opportunity. Yeah, I feel I I think that they could have done more with it than they did. Um personally, cuz it really just I mean it really doesn't look that much different from like a TGI Fridays, like if I'm no. being honest. You know, it's just got flair everywhere. Yeah, you know? I mean I mean there there's like 10 of these at like Times Square, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Um it's like a rainforest so game- cafe. <laughs> right, right. Uh yeah or or uh what's the the rock and roll rock and roll uh, yeah or like that that place where Titus works and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yeah 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 all right well missed opportunity mm-hmm. um so yeah so the Wild Gunman game now this is an actual game which I didn't realize I don't oh. think I've ever realized it's an actual game and it's actually a remake of the original game so the original game was a light gun game uh, it released in 1974 which was the first full motion video game and it was a it was a live action film that was projected onto the screen and then it would detect if the light gun hit the target at the right point and then the 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 film would move to like someone getting shot oh so, i got you yeah yeah, yeah. So it was really flickery and and way, 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 way low tech. You know, sure. um, it was like the video game equivalent of like that that 
thing that you spin around to watch the horse run. I'm sure you know? it's in every golden corral across this great nation. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, then Nintendo remade the game mm-hmm. on the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1985. And, uh, originally it was released on the, on the Japanese, uh, Nintendo Famicom system in 1984. And they replaced the original stuff, the original film projection stuff with, cartoon you know 8-bit graphics because they can't do the same technology on a home system but it was the same game it was just with cartoon more cartoony graphics and then uh it was released in arcades in 1984 as part of the play choice 10 system which was an arcade cabinet that had 10 different games in it and you would like choose it was like a like a jukebox of of arcade games Hmm. um it the Wild Gunman was never released in uh, uh, a cabinet on its own. Uh, that was actually made for the game by Nintendo. Interesting like for for the movie. They made it. They made it just for the movie. So it's the only Wild Gunman cabinet that officially exists. People have made replicas, but which is weird because he he says it with such a. I remember as a kid thinking he says like that is Lone Gunman with such a familiarity, such a nostalgia, if you will. That I remember as a kid thinking that it was something from the first movie. Yeah, it's, like, it's oh, that must be his favorite game that was referenced in the first because it feels like a callback. Kind of. Right. It really does. It is weirdly played. I will say, though, uh, that – do you remember there was a, an issue of the comic book recently um, where he met Jennifer Parker at the 7-Eleven and was going to ask her out? He was playing Wild Gunman at the 7-Eleven. Oh, uh, I think I did notice like that, that yeah, yeah, little art thing. Yeah, so. Man, that new issue of that comic was really good. It was. That comic's really good. It is. Um, but yeah, yeah no, so it's it's weird. It it's um it's also not like if it was like Donkey Kong and it's like yeah, it's Donkey Kong. Then we get that like oh, it's just he just knows that what Donkey Kong is like any cool teen would, you know? Right. But, like, well, Wild well, Gunman implies he's like a gamer. Well, the problem is that they are. They, they this is this is one of you know this is one of the Bobs patented setups for a payoff that comes in the sequel because it's setting uh, up him being a crack shot so that when he's a cowboy in the next movie we understand why he can use a gun i wasn't even in i wasn't even on that bob g like wave yet yeah i wasn't even on yeah. that callback wave yeah i mean this one's an especially impressive one just because i mean it would be more impressive if they'd been able to set it up in the first movie but <laughs> but because you know it's obviously it's a little awkward that it's being set up here. Cut to Marty they, teaching George how to handle a gun. Yeah, but they play it off. They play it off as a joke, so it's fine, you mm-hmm, know. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean it's it's an impressive setup payoff because it's it's a setup for something that doesn't pay off until the next movie. Um, yeah, which is which is cool. Uh, which is something you can do when uh, you do uh, you write a goddamn script. When you shoot, well, when you shoot them back to back. So we're introduced to um, Elijah Wood for the first time in film yeah. history. I, who hasn't aged a day. 
He hasn't. Uh, <laughs> it looks exactly the same. I will say the thing that I noticed more than anything in this, Elijah Wood in this, as a kid, not the best actor. The other kid, great actor. Yeah, whatever happened to him? I don't know. His name's John Thornton. That's uh, all I know. I don't think uh, I don't think he made it. He's so John Thornton is so unimportant that he doesn't even have a page on Futurepedia. Oh, Elijah Wood does, but not John Thornton. But yeah, you know, I, I feel like I feel like John Thornton is the uh, more natural act, charismatic actor. Totally. Elijah Wood uh, seemed really nervous and like he was kind of trying sure. too hard. It felt like it felt like looking at Elijah when I looked at the, the the other kid I would just be like oh it's a kid when I looked at Elijah Wood I was like oh it's a it's a kid like pretending to act at like a school play like it's just like everything is like really bit like now is the time when I shake my head and walk away you know what I mean out yeah Shiloh uh, Elijah Woods uh, has always had a filmography that I really respected yeah. Yeah. Have you, did you ever see Grand Piano? No. Uh, it's just great. Like, he did this weird... He does a lot of really great, like, straight-to-streaming, like, like genre movies lately. Oh, yeah. He does a lot of those. And he did this one where he played this, like, tor- like tortured, uh, uh, brilliant pianist. And he's making his grand debut where he's playing this concerto that was written by his master, who, like, died last year. And it was, like, the biggest night of his career. And he's about to play, and it's the first time he's played since he had like a mental breakdown. And um, all of a sudden, he gets this like buzz on his ear, this little earpiece that he has, and it's like, "Hey, I'm a sniper." And if you, <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he's like, "Hey, I'm a sniper." And if you miss one half of a note on that goddamn piano, I'm gonna like fucking pick people off in the audience because I'm your biggest fan. And it's just like a really cool, like Hitchcockian thriller with like Elijah Wood. Wow, that's messed up. <laughs> Something I can imagine Doc Brown doing. <laughs> hey, <laughs> there was um, and like in the Back of the Future comic, there was some really crazy, like, like canon logic going on, where like, so like when when like. They were trying to figure out what timeline of Doc they were dealing with. And they're like, well, he said Einstein. Because so if he was from 1955, they would say Copernicus. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, right. It's just, uh, I guess, like the playfulness with the mythology that the yeah, series has yeah. had, you know? Yeah, that was good. Um, um, the line, um, you have to use your hands. That's like a baby's toy has always been deeply unsettling for me. Yeah, but yeah, I, I always got visions of like some kind of freaking like Akira world where like yeah. psyops were a thing. Yeah, I don't know what that is because like even in like a yeah, because like even in like a VR kind of situation, you would use your hands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they just like these these kids are just like plugging into the Matrix or something. I don't and know. Then they both had TK. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird, what right? Are you a Homo sapien? Oh man! And but but I, I will say it hits hard. It hits kind of hard because, like, that's a thing, you know. Like where like kids don't know what VHS tapes are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it it's a it's a similar kind of or dial idea. Up. Like, what's that? Or dial up. 
Or dial-up. Yeah, totally. They don't know what that sound is. The sound of dial-up. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, you mean you have to wait to get online? That's like a baby's toy. And you couldn't use the phone at the same time? <laughs> oh, man, I remember that. Oh, yeah. Getting kicked off the internet every time took I like, picked up the took phone. took like half an hour to load a three-minute Homestar video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, i was i was before that um (laughs) for me it took three minutes to pull up like a buffy message board um (laughs) is willow (laughs) in love with xander (laughs) <laughs> that would be accurate because that would be about the time that I was on Buffy Message Wards. Yeah. Season two, season three. Anyway, um, yeah, so then they, they walk out because apparently they were only in here to check out this this strange game. game. Yeah, this, this video game thing, uh, which is I just <laughs> think is really funny. They just... <laughs> Like, who, where are these kids' parents? <laughs> uh, I had oh, I had a moment. I, w- I was just home, and I was with my nephews, and I had a moment where they they said they, they, they didn't know about something, and I couldn't believe it, and that never happened to me before. I can remember uh, who, it was like, it was like Jim Carrey. It was like some, like, titan of my youth. Wow. Like, you don't know who Jim Carrey is? Or, it was, I don't even know if it was that, but it was like at that level. Oh, man. That's rough. It is interesting, though, because, you know, we, we were talking about like comparing this 2015 with the real 2015. It, I, I, I wonder if like Bob Gale or Bob Zemeckis could have anticipated like barcades and stuff like that, you know? I, I don't I don't think. He could, they could have no way mm-hmm. because because they probably wouldn't even think that arcades wouldn't really be a thing anymore oh that's true yeah you know to the point where like there's they've been not a thing for so long that now they're retro and in bars because only yeah. drunk people want to play video games <laughs> in cabinets it just took us a while to realize that yeah <laughs> Um, like those high school kids at the arcade when we were kids were all drunk. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. So so as uh, as they walk away, and and Marty's just like looking at the game, like stupid. What the hell, no. the kids? If your penis is still my side, buddy. I don't. No. And uh. And then uh, uh, behind him in the window, you can see Marty. Riff pointing out pointing uh-huh. out spots on his car that Biff missed and making him buff them out. <laughs> you know, I will say the fact that both of these characters is played by Tom Wilson adds a lot to the playfulness, you know? It kind of makes little it, bit, yeah. It, it kind of makes it okay. In, in that case, I would say, I would say, in the case of the of the tannins, yes, yeah. Because and now instead of like an old man getting like bullied, it's like this character like making fun of itself or like get, it, getting his kind of cosmic comeuppance, right? 
Right. Absolutely. Um, so, so then, uh, Mar- Marty McFly Jr. shows up, waddles uh, fre- to the shop. freshly, freshly escaped from the asylum, apparently. Um, no. he's just, he's, he's just, it looks like he's wearing a freaking straight jacket, uh, straight jacket. Yeah. That's just like open. He looks like, uh, in, in, uh, hush the Buffy episode, like the, the gentleman's little assistants that run uh, behind yeah. them. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Um, yeah. So he, he looks into the, into the window. Now here's what I love about this joke, right? So he <laughs> looks in the window and like practically the reason that he does it is so that the audience can be like, Oh, look, the other Marty's coming in here. But from the standpoint of the story, I love that Marty McFly Jr. is so stupid that he's looking in the diner to see if Griff is in there and make sure it's safe to go in <laughs> when Griff is literally right next to him. <laughs> yeah. I that is a really great joke. Like a really great visual joke. Just walks right past him. Just walks, oh yeah, all right. And he just got all this confidence. He's just holding goes. up his like weird long sleeve up to like like shield his eyes. Oh man. Oh, that's really great. I really like that as a Marty Jr. is such like a cartoon character. Yeah, I want to talk about him tomorrow. Okay. Um, because we'll get a lot more of him tomorrow. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But uh but yeah, I definitely have stuff to say about him too. Um yeah, so then, uh, so then Griff uh, follows Marty Junior in. Uh, Marty Junior orders a Pepsi Perfect, uh, which was a which was an actual thing that was released uh, last year for the for the anniversary. And what was so perfect about it? Enriched vitamins. Oh, yeah. Okay. They put they put vitamins in it. It's Pepsi, but it's perfect. <laughs> we did it. We created the only perfect thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's uh, let's dig in to the uh, to the script, shall we? Yeah, please open because, up the um, wheel of morale. going to be this is going to be some interesting stuff. So the both drafts this week have a lot of interesting differences, but the sixty-seven draft we're now in divergent territory, big time. <laughs> so. So the way that I'm going to do this is that it's not going to be – the 67 draft isn't going to be me referencing this movie so much because they are not on point anymore. They're not anywhere even close to the same movie at this point. So uh, I won't be referencing it in context of that. I will be referencing it as if it's another movie that we're talking about. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about first before we get to the 67 draft because it'll be more involved. Let's talk about the differences in the paradox draft. And in this minute, uh, the difference, there's a couple. So first, um, when Griff comes in, he says, uh, and I should have said this last week, but he he said, Gramps, let me see if I can read this right because I can't figure out what he's trying to say because there's so much future speak in it. He says, Gramps, nuke the babsesh and get out here. Or Rita, what the hell am I paying you for? Nuke the babsesh. 
I get nuke, nuke as in stop the babble talking session. Okay, all right. So nuke the bab sesh. Yeah. And get out here, Arita. Arita. Well, I mean, o, it, it's apostrophe O R R I T A. Well, I mean, in the context, it means hurry up, like go fast. I'm just yeah. trying to figure out what Arita could be. Maybe it, it's supposed uh, to be some kind of call, like Arita. Oh, maybe, yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't know. I mean, that could, that's a weird. No, I mean that you could totally that could totally be what it is. Maybe I'm gonna ask him something. No. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's like a like a Speedy Gonzalez reference. Kind of <laughs> yeah, who, who, who's really popular in the year 2015? Well, well, he is. He's getting a movie. That's true. Getting a lot. He's getting a, a a full featured, like full length animated movie in theaters. God, I hope it's set in our world. <laughs> I don't think it's one of those live action ones. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> no, I, think they're, I think they're trying to. I think Warner Brothers is reopening their anime their feature animation department because they're like, we got all these Looney Tunes characters. Maybe we should be like making cartoon movies with them. They did. I mean, the the I remember yeah, the but, early, but not but not. Not yeah. CG animated. Yeah, but dude, did you ever? I, I think watch- they want to do. I think they want to do with their Looney Tunes characters. What is it? Is it DreamWorks? Who does? Who does the Dr. Seuss ones? Oh, Illumination. Illumination. I think they want to do what Illumination is doing with Dr. Seuss with Looney Tunes. Okay, I I get that, dude. Um, did you ever watch that show on Cartoon Network? Um, that ran a few years, like in the early two thousand tens. Called like the Looney Tunes show. No. It was really good. Kristen Wiig was the voice of Lola Bunny. And they I, I, I think it's so funny that she stuck around after Yeah, well they, they completely rebooted her character to where mm. now she's more like Elaine from Seinfeld. Like she's just this kind of like like lovably selfish kind of like character. Oh, so she's like she's like Babs. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Wait, wait, which was bad? Oh, I guess she's kind of wow. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah, Tiny Tunes, right? Yeah, she's a bit more ditzy than Babs. Okay, I don't really remember Looney Tunes that well because Babs was always like, I mean, she was basically Dot, right? Tiny Tunes. I mean, but like, like her character was pretty uh, much like no, she wasn't. She wasn't as weird and random as Dot was. Okay, I love. I'm going back and watching a lot of Animaniacs clearly, but um, I think it's so weirdly perfect that dot has like a really big crush on mel gibson oh <laughs> so there's always like oh mel gibson and he's like oh, i'm the most handsome man in hollywood and famous for nothing else <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> wow they had to pick like who could they pick it's like oh tom cruise oh <laughs> john travolta everyone's not that baggage right that's true um Clooney's the only one, really. Yeah. But I think that was... I think Clooney was slightly after Animaniacs, I think. After slash during, I think. Yeah, if, you, if you talk to him, he, he describes his generation as the post-Animaniacs generation. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get any references. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So, so uh, back to the, the Paradox draft. Um... After uh, Biff and Griff 
leave. Well, first of all, as Biff goes out the door after Griff says, uh, I mean, fly, don't go anywhere. You're next. Biff heads for the door and then he says, listen, Griff, don't you go loan in that McFly kid any money, even though he probably needs it. Him and his old man both. So you see what they're doing is they're setting up and I, the, the idea that Marty is going to steal or not steal, but like he's going to buy the almanac for purposes of improving his future that he knows is bad. Um, so he's not see there so it's not like it is in the movie where he just does it because he's just like, oh whatever. The eighties. Money first, am I right? Sure. Instead here it's like, oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. If he thinks that he which, needs to do it. Right. Which I feel like I like more. Sure. Personally. Because it, it makes it feel it's more an act out of desperation than out of pure selfishness. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, we already have the ego thing. So, like, the idea of him finding out that he is a loser with a bunch of debt would would be enough of an ego burst mm-hmm. to make him want to get that almanac and fix his life that way. Mm-hmm. The, that, that way, the easy way, rather than doing it the difficult way, which is, of course, the lesson that he has to learn. Sure. But the fact that he just does it for no reason in the movie is actually kind of a bummer, I think. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, really? Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's always it, – it, it's, it's tricky when the protagonist becomes the main source of conflict. Right. Sometimes. Sometimes it really yeah. works. But, like, I don't know. I think this was a – a uh, a time where that maybe wasn't the best choice, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I get you definitely. Um, and then uh, the next thing is before he goes over to the arcade game, uh, there's a beat where, um, he's watching Griff point out to Biff the spots on his car where he missed, and then on a video. Green, our oldie comes on. Can you guess what the oldie is? Is it um? Is I'll put it this way: you're probably think you're already thinking way too much into this. Is it mm-hmm. um? Is it is it Huey Lewis in the news? It is Huey Lewis in the news. It's Power of Love. Oh, yeah. So Power yeah. of Love comes on, and he's watching it and sort of like nodding to the beat, and then three girls. Uh, about that, or about 13, they all say, one says, oh, shred that. I only scan that kind of vid at my grandma's. Then girl says, yeah, what do they call it? Rock and rail. And then girl, then girl three says, it doesn't even sound like music. And then girl one says again, yeah, thank God we didn't have to live in the eighties. It must've been terrible. And then it says, Marty feels very old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like that little addition. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then later after the kid says that's like a baby's toy, it just says Marty feels really old. <laughs> um so uh so yeah. So that's that's the that's what's going on in the paradox draft. Um in the 67 draft, however, here we go. So where we last left off in the 67 draft, 
Marty and Jennifer were in a McDonald's of the future at a payphone uh, getting information uh, from the uh, payphone and it prints out on a card and it's the it's information about um, where they could find that almanac. Mm. Right. So then um, they hear a voice and Marty and Jennifer turn in the direction of the voice and we meet Griff and he walks over to a nerdy kid, 17, uh, who is a mess, unkempt hair or unkempt hair, sloppy clothes, a total dork. The nerdy kid says, "Uh, hi, Griff. Guys, how's it going? Marty's Yeah, Marty's mouth falls open because this is Marty's son. And then Griff says, you got my homework finished, Norman? And then Marty says, Norman? And then Norman says, oh, yes, Griff, I did it this morning. It's in here somewhere. Then Norman finds a mini computer disc in a folder containing other discs and plastic cards. And he hands it to Griff. And then it cuts back to Marty again. And and Marty goes, Norman? Because he can't believe He's still getting over it. Yeah, he can't get over it. And then Griff takes the disc and shakes his head and then knocks on Norman's head in, in the way that only a tannin does. And he says, hello, anybody home? Think, McFly, think. You entered this data without my passkey code. Do you know what would happen if I turned my data with your passkey co- code? I'd get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? <laughs> and then Norman says, uh, no, Griff, I wouldn't want that to happen. And Griff says, you know, your sister still owes me money. You wouldn't happen to have it on you, would you? Norman shakes his head. And then Spike, one of the one of, uh, one of of Norman's gang members that we'll talk about a couple episodes from now, mm-hmm. uh, she says, you'll never see that money, Griff. Her old man probably borrowed it from her, and you know what that means. And then they all laugh, even Norman. Uh, and then, <laughs> then Griff says, what are you still doing there, McFly? You've got my homework to redo, remember? And then Norman says, okay, I'll get right on it. And then Norman starts for the door. But then uh, one of the guys pulls his pants down. And then Griff trips him. So he falls flat on his face with his pants around his ankles. And discs, plastic cards, and printouts fly all over the place. The whole, the whole, the whole cafe, or the whole, I'm sorry, not cafe, the whole McDonald's. (laughs) <laughs> starts it's erupts just, with the laughter. It's just a McDonald's. <laughs> it's just a McDonald's. That's, the whole the, Mc- that's weirdly the saddest thing about this scene so far. Yeah. The whole place erupts into laughter, including Norman as he picks up all of his stuff. Marty is wincing in humiliation. Griff snaps his fingers and all the boys yank Norman up and like basically shove him out the door as Griff is saying – uh, hello, anyone home? You forgot my passkey code, McFly. And then he gives him a plastic card with a with a barcode symbol. Norman laughs at his own st- stupidity and takes it. And the gang escorts him out. Griff says, I don't want to see you again until you get it finished. Understand? And Norman says, you won't, Griff. I promise. And that's where I'll lead it. leave it until tomorrow. And you might think, well, why wouldn't I have waited until we... we we're talking about the similar scene tomorrow. Well, there's a lot more to get through. Like <laughs> this draft is 147 pages, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's longer than the movie, uh, a lot, quite a bit longer than the movie. And uh, things stop syncing up very, like like 
they they don't really sync up after that. Uh, like the hoverboard chase sequence is page like 35 in this. So Jeez. it doesn't happen for a long time. Yeah, right. So anyway, so that's uh, that's the 67 draft up to this point. And everything that we've talked about in the 67 draft, just as a reminder, we are on the middle of page 12. Man. Yeah. So it's just it's just burning, burning rubber on this story, burning through it. It's weird how opposite they are. I know, right? I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. It's interesting seeing how it evolved. Definitely, you know. Yeah. So um, that's all I got for this minute. Yeah, well, this is good. This is funny yeah. for a Monday, huh? <laughs> yeah, happy Monday, everyone. We did it. Um, Go uh, go check out our website, DuelingGenre.com, where you can find posts of this episode and all of our other podcasts like uh, The Doctor's Companion, uh, the Doctor Who podcast that we do with our, with our great friend and, and cohort, Cassandra Fredrickson, and also Geek by Night, our original audio drama about uh, comic book fans who get superpowers and the things that come up with that. So go check that out, please. Uh, those are both at DuelingGenre.com. If you would like to email the show, you can do that. Contact at BackToTheFutureMinute.com. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at BTTF Minute. We're, we're on both of those. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can like us there if you'd like. Um, leave us iTunes reviews because that always helps us out. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon by going to DuelingGenre.com slash support. That'll take you to our Patreon page where we have lots of uh, lots of uh, goals that we want to do, stretch goals, one of which is a weekend edition of Back to the Future Minute uh, that uh, we would be doing exclusive for, for Patreon supporters. So if you uh, – I, I forget where I put that goal. I'm going to look it up right now um, but because I don't want to get it wrong. But uh, yeah, so go go check that out and uh, support us on Patreon. Do that. Our Patreon doesn't just help this show; it helps all of our shows. And uh, you know, as a as a result, we'll give you all kinds of exclusive uh, exclusive uh, stuff and and all that. Yeah. So if we get if we get we're up to one hundred and three dollars a month right now. If we get up to two hundred and fifty. Uh, we will begin what we're calling Back to the Future Minute, the No Roads edition, which is just going to be Nick and I every weekend talking about Back to the Future related stuff um, and like answering emails, that sort of thing. So uh, and we'll do it every weekend, well, but only if we yeah, only if we get up to 250 a month on our Patreon. But we're already at 100. So I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, we're at a we're at 103 a month, so um, we're getting there. We're getting there. I feel like smog. And and, uh, and one of the things is that like the the five dollars the five dollar reward uh, level will give you most of the bonus content. So like if we have any exclusive podcasts or live Q and As or whatever, you'll be able to get access to all of those at the five dollar level. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the ten dollar level, uh, ten dollar or higher, you'll get uh, an entry into our Patreon exclusive drawing uh, to win a guest spot on Patreon week 
Patreon All-Star Week on this podcast that you're listening to right now. We already have one winner for pa- for Patreon Week. Uh, he's very excited, and uh, you would be too if you were a winner, but you have to become a Patreon member to do so. And honestly, uh, just if you want to know how to cheat the system, now is the time because you don't have a lot of competition for spots at the moment. So the the odds of you winning are very, very good. So go, go to... Uh, go to our Patreon page, duelinggenre.com slash support, and uh, support us on Patreon. Help us build um, our empire. Yes. And that's, that is it. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, Minute 17. Um, go go check out uh, Star Wars Minute, who are in the, uh, the waning hours of, of uh, The Phantom Menace at this point. I think they're at the the closing minutes of the like burning the, Qui Gon fight. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're around there, around there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and Jaws minute, of course, is still going on. And now the newest member of the the movie minute family, Shut the Indiana front door. Jones minute. Indiana Jones. Yep. Indiana Jones minute started up uh, last week. So uh, go go check them out. I've been listening. It's a it's a it's a it's a good show. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're 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 uh, they they know the they know the format. They understand how how it goes. And they're they're there's three of them. So I can't imagine that they're going to have guests very often. Um, sure. Because because I, I imagine it'd be like uh, Goodfellas minute because there was three of them as well and they didn't have guests most of the time. Well, so, you have to have three Goodfellas guests. That's you mean hosts, but yeah, totally. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it really worked out for them because they really fit into uh, – one fit into each archetype pretty well. No, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so go go check out Indiana Jones Minute. If you're an Indiana Jones fan, uh, they're they're doing good work over there. Um, so that's, that's two Spielberg Minute podcasts now. You know what else Steven Spielberg had a hand in, Scott? This one. Animaniacs. Oh, Animaniacs. All right, fair enough. Including their characters, the Good Feathers. <laughs> oh yeah, that's wow. <laughs> Are all of the Minute podcasts connected to uh, connected to Steven Spielberg through Animaniacs? I bet so. Did that happen? Remember the I think God that vision? just happened. Wow, that's crazy. Because I know, I know Spielberg doesn't have anything directly to do with Star Wars, but you know he's best friends with George Lucas, so that's something. He made some money off of him. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, so anyway, all right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. I don't want to go. All right, we'll we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye.